Everybody, so good to see all of you again. You know what we forgot to do? You know what, right? We didn't meet and greet. Go ahead, stand up, meet and greet one another, right? There's some people I haven't seen for a while. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Have a seat, everybody. Have a seat. Not take forever here. All right. Isn't it good to be in God's house? Amen? It is. It's good to be here. But I have a question for you, and if you know if it's me, there's always going to be a challenge. Well, there should always be a challenge, right? Every time you walk in here, don't get comfortable, okay? All right. But pastor, we like it. Sorry. Don't get comfortable. You saw in the video there before of God's proof that he exists, right? God's proof of his love for us. Well, today, I'm going to ask you to prove something too. But the, before we do that, dear friends, I have a question for you. Here's the question. Are you growing? Yeah. Oh, oh, good. Yeah, sideways, Pastor Kurt. Yeah, all right. No, no, really, are you growing? And if you're younger, you're going, yes, I hope I grow a couple more inches. You know, up until this past week, we had this little pencil markings on the wall. And if you'd walk into our house, you'd go right up to where you put, hang your coats up, and this little spot, you see, line, 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 line. And if you look even closer, you'd see my kids' names. How many of you have marked on your wall your kids' height every year? You ever do that when they were younger? Yeah, right, right. So, well, we finally had to get a new coat of paint, right? It finally had to go, had to go away. But, but I remember our kids, my goodness, it's just kind of, you don't think that it would emotionally affect a person to paint over little markings. Well, a little bit, especially this week. But I remember the kids, right? They'd put their head back there. Okay, get off your toes, right? Yeah. And uh, my son, Curtis, you know, we came here about six years ago, and I think he's grown at least 10 inches since then. So I'm glad. He's glad, right? And, and there he would stand beside my daughters, right? Megan's still the tallest, right? And they'd put their heads, oh, you're getting a little bit taller there. Looks like I'm still taller. Or against me, right? Well, like I'm some kind of a challenge, right? So, yeah, yeah, you can laugh, okay. So, the kids are still growing. Isn't it fun to watch the kids grow, watch them mature, to see how beautiful their young people they're becoming, to see their relationship with God grow? Well, this morning, we want to talk about you growing. And we're going to take a look in the Bible in just a little bit how God challenged another young man to grow. But you know, about a month ago, I, I, was, I was going to the doctor, and you know, when you get like 45, 40, you got to see the doctor at least once a year, right? Just make sure the plumbing is good, all that, right? More than you wanted to know, right? And, and so uh, every time you go to the doctor, I was just getting a physical, and, and you go in there, and I waited really short at the, at the waiting room, so that was good, right? And, and then the first thing you do when you go into the doctor's office, what do you do? You get on the scale, okay? Usually I hate that, right? Because you go, oh my goodness, yeah, there you are. Fat little chubby pastor you are. Uh. This time I was excited because I'd been exercising. You see me walking. I've been dieting. And so I stepped on that scale all proud, ready to go. And yahoo, I lost 10 pounds. Woohoo, right? Uh. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't get too excited here. And I've lost a couple since then. But you know what they do next, right? Stand against the wall. Maybe it's blood pressure, but for me, it's stand against the wall. Let's measure how tall you are, right? So for the last 45 years, I've been five, eight and a half. Yeah, big deal, right? And I, and I figured it's going to be five, eight and a half again, right? So I put my head against the wall. It's five, eight and a half, five and a half. You really don't have to do this. And the lady says out loud, I couldn't believe what she said. It was like, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. She says, five, seven and a half. Something must be wrong here, right? Let's do this again. No, you're five, seven and a half. You know when you get older, right? Maybe it was like a half an inch of hair for like the last 45 years. I don't know. But five, I shrunk. <sighs> Can you believe it? I shrunk. Now, for you guys that are six foot one, six foot two, yeah, right over there, right? Amel, right? When you shrink an inch, you go, no big deal. But man, I'm five, eight and a half. I'm just going to be standing like this here in a couple of years, right? Oh, so five, seven and a half. I'm not growing physically anymore. Question for you this morning, though, is are you growing? Anybody challenge you lately to grow? I hope you are. Last Sunday, Pastor Ed was challenging the socks off of us the week before. Usually we do that here, right? Bible time, okay? Turn your Bibles. We're going to see a young man who was challenged to grow, and hopefully through his eyes, his experience, Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, page 716, and if you've got a pew Bible, please everybody grab a pew Bible. If you're a guest this morning, so we're so glad you're here. And that pew Bible in your hand, if you're a guest, you can take it home with you. Feel free to write in it, page 716, Mark chapter 10, and a young rich ruler is being challenged to grow. Oh my goodness, he's being challenged to grow. So what we're going to do here is take a journey through the text, I'm not going to read it all the way through because that would take too long. We're going to kind of go verse by verse, talk about what God would speak to us this morning. I think he really wants us to grow. All right, so here we go. Starting at verse 17, you just follow along. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so what was happening there right before that, Jesus had just had little kids come to him, right? Don't stop the little kids from coming to me. Let them come to me. And he blessed them, right? All the mothers. And finally, they had all cleared out. And a young man shows up, right? He gets down on his knees. This is like in the middle of the road, right? And says to Jesus, hey, good teacher. You know, flattery gets you nowhere. Okay, good teacher, right? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, Jesus tells him, right? Let's take a little bit further. Let's see if Jesus speaks to him directly. So, first of all, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Maybe the man didn't know it, right? That when you call somebody good, in the book of Genesis it says, what, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and it was good, right? God is good all the time. Hey, you guys almost got that. I usually mess that up. All right. When he said good, flattered Jesus, hey, 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 special teacher there, he didn't know it maybe, but he's calling Jesus God, okay? Because only God is good. And so after he flatters Jesus, and it seems that the man is sincere, and by the way, you can't tell from this reading, but this is a rich young man, if you look at the other Gospels. He's a teacher, right? He, he's a person who's in the community, has authority, and so he gets before the right guy first to ask the right question. We read a little bit further, verse 18 again, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And then Jesus says, you know the commandments. 
do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And Jesus is basically summarizing the second half of the commandments. I wonder why that is. Huh? He doesn't talk about relationship with him. And the young man responds, doesn't he? He says, well, verse 20, teacher declared, all these I've kept since I was a boy. You know, kind of like us, we're good people, right? We don't hurt anybody. We're mostly good. We come to church, right? We treat people with respect. And then Jesus talks to him a little bit further. And, and perhaps this young man, he was so rich, he didn't have to break any laws, any rules. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Says Jesus, whether it was looked at him with love, whether it was his earnest approach of getting on his knees, whether he just got that excitement, something was special about the young man. And the young man obviously noticed that something was missing in his life because he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because he knew all those other things weren't going to do it. And then, and then he talks back to Jesus there, right? And he says, I've kept all these things since I was young. But then Jesus speaks the truth in love. You know, sometimes when you love somebody, you can't just tell them what they want to hear, okay? He didn't tell. The young man did not want to hear this. I may say some things today. You don't want to hear, okay? But that's how God challenges us to grow. So he challenges the young man, and, and he had the greatest opportunity, didn't he? Here before him, he called him good, right? Is the son of God right person to ask the question, right? How, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute, something's wrong here already. You lack something, young man. Sorry, going to have to speak some truth here. You need to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Well, then come and follow me. Something was separating this man from God, his money perhaps our money. And it was separating for the longest time. And if you look a little bit further, you, you, you think he would have taken Jesus. My goodness, it's Jesus. He heard about all the healings going on, took him up on it and said, okay, I'll sell everything. What does he do? Look a little further. Verse 22, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. What does he do? Walks away. He just walks away. He had an opportunity for eternal life. And basically says, you know what? I, I don't want you, Jesus. If that's what I have to do, I'll just walk away. You know, if you look at the New Testament, it usually has joyful endings, doesn't it, right? Somebody comes to Jesus, they get healed, right? A, a, a blind man gets healed, right? Four friends lower this, this man who can't walk through the ceiling, right? Not only does Jesus forgive him, he says, rise, take up your mat and walk. And the man's skipping away, but this man's sad. Wasn't supposed to end that way, was it? Is it? He challenged the young man. He said, here's how it can happen. He basically said, and there's something dividing us, young man. Something's in the way, and it's your stuff. Your friends, today we're talking about growing. Perhaps there's something that's 
dividing you and a barrier between you and God. And perhaps it's not stuff. Perhaps it is. Maybe you do have, have great wealth. And wealth can be a gift and sometimes a curse, can it? Yeah. But whatever it is, dear friends, maybe God's challenging you this morning to remove that barrier. We need to look a little bit further at the Scriptures because this isn't the first time that somebody asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? For in the book of Luke chapter 10, it says this, on one occasion, you don't need to turn there, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? You notice it's a lawyer this time that's asking the question. So you've got a rich young man and a lawyer. Nothing bad against lawyers. What is written in the law, Jesus asked them. This is verse 25 and 26, if you do want to turn there, chapter 10 of Luke. What's written in the law? How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then he goes on to tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's not the first time this question was asked. And if you look at it, there's something wrong at the very beginning of this. Did you notice that? He's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus probably thought, do? What do you mean, do? There's nothing you can do. You know, there's a story, and by the way, this is a joke, okay, all right? And it'll help us uh, understand what we're talking about, uh, of a young a woman who gets up to the pearly gates, okay? And she's up there, right? And she sees right in front, back of the pearly gates is her family gathered. And she's excited to get into heaven, right? And she sees everybody celebrating. The angels, Jesus in the background, St. Pete's at the gate, though. And she asks him, well, how in the world do I get into this beautiful place? He says, you have to spell a word. Okay, what word? And he says, love. Okay, L-O-V. Great, shoo. Okay, all right. So about three years later, St. Pete has to take a break, okay? He says, hey, young woman, would you like to tend the pearly gates? And so she goes, oh, sure, I'll do that for you. So he walks away, and lo and behold, who shows up? Her husband, right? It's about three years later, right? And, and she's kind of surprised. What are you doing here? Okay. And she asks him, well, how you doing? He says, well, I'm doing great, right? You know the nurse that took care of you when you were sick? I married her. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, and in fact, we won the lottery. And in fact, you know that house, that big house we always wanted to build when you were alive? We built it. And we've been on all these amazing vacations, right? Up until today, it was a great day, right? When we were skiing in Cancun there, and a ski hit me in the head, and well, here I am. But he's looking and he's seeing all this beautiful things happening in heaven. And, and he says, well, how do I get in here? Right? And she thinks to herself, well, you have to spell a word. Hmm. Czechoslovakia? Ah. Yeah, it's kind of a groaner, isn't it? There's, and I'm making a simple point, there's nothing you have to do showing up here today to get God's grace. Nothing. It's all that Jesus has done for you. And he's proved that he loves you. There's nothing you can check off on your list today, right? Because God's done it. Isn't that amazing? All that we simply need to do is to, in faith, trust that God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, right? There's eternal life right there. 
The first thing the young man got wrong was exactly that, and I believe God's challenging us today to get that right as well, right? And there's not a lot of challenge. There's nothing we can do. Simply receive the grace. You're forgiven. Anything that's happened in your past, Jesus forgave it. It's no more. And I believe, though, as we get further along in our faith response and we say, thank you, Jesus, right? Thank you for loving me. Our life, then, should be a reflection of that thanks and that love. And sometimes, though, God challenges us in our faith. You've received the grace, wonderful, right? And when we go to the gates of heaven, right, and the thing that Jesus asks us, why should we let, I let you in? We'll say, because I believe in you, right? That you died and rose again, and he'll say, amen, come in. Sometimes Jesus, though, asks us to prove our faith. This is where you get, and I get to hear the things we don't want to hear. Is your life really reflecting being a follower of Jesus Christ? Up in the top there, if you guys would get to the slide, the third slide that says declaration. God's challenging you today. Yes. He, he challenged the young man. The young man's challenge started, first of all, by realizing, and I don't know, think he did realize it, that indeed we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, Right? And then it goes a little bit further that in order to be a follower of Jesus, and this is where we come in here, sometimes it involves giving something up. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 1. What, is this common that Jesus would ask his followers to possibly give something up? And does this mean that we all have to sell our possessions in order to be a follower of Jesus Christ? No, it doesn't. But if something's getting in the way of a relationship with Jesus, then it does. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. You realize those dear men gave up the most important thing to them, their nets? That was everything, everything. And then not only that, then they gave up family right to follow Jesus. Turn with me just a little bit further in Mark, Mark chapter 8. Sometimes God requests of us in order to follow him to put something else aside, whether it be work or school or whatever it is. Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Mark 8, 34, says this, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, very familiar words, right? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself take up his cross and follow me. Verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Sounds like a song. If any man would follow Jesus, if any woman would follow Jesus, he, she must take up their cross daily, another Bible reading says. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Imagine this. Imagine Jesus is standing right here. It's not me, right? And he's asking you today, challenging you to deny yourself, take up your cross. You know that faith? I really want it to grow for you. 
This is how it's going to happen. And if Jesus was standing right here and he said, you know what? I need you to go and sell your house, give up your job of 20 years, and move to Japan to start a coffee house. Pastor Ed talked about us. Would he be ready to do that? What if Jesus said, you know what? Your money really is getting in the way of our relationship. Would you be ready to give it up to serve others? Maybe Jesus is challenging us this morning, boy, and for a lot of kids that are here, what if, let me ask you this, if they're teenagers, what if Jesus asked you to give up your cell phone? Because it's getting in the way. You're talking too much on the phone, you're texting, and you never talk to me. Would you be willing to just toss it aside? I don't know what it is for you, perhaps, dear brother or sister. It's, it's some sin in your life that's separating between you and God, right? And in the book of John, it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Do you really know Jesus? And have you taken that challenge today to take a step forward and say, you know what, I'm willing to live things a little more uncomfortably. Maybe I don't need all this stuff. Maybe it's separating me from you, God. I'm ready to follow you. Are you ready to choose today? Whatever that means for you in your life to follow Jesus. Are you ready? Are you ready? You know, if we take a look at this as well, maybe God's challenging us in another way. First of all, receive the grace, right? Be ready to follow Jesus, whatever he asks of us, and then to really take ownership of our faith. The young man in the story was trying to take ownership of his faith, wasn't he, right? He, he, he asked Jesus the question. He said, what must, I, what must I really want to know, God? What must I do to inherit eternal life? But he didn't know. He said, good teacher, right? He didn't know. What must I do? And there's nothing he could do. Perhaps God's challenging us to take a little more ownership of that faith. Coming to church is an amazing blessing, isn't it? It is. For me to share God's word, for us to get filled up, is God challenging us to an even greater attendance to hear his word in his house? You know, in the book of Psalms, it says this, and, and I had the chance recently, Psalm 119, you don't need to turn there, but it's, it's a psalm that's a lot, a lot of verses. But verse 97 of Psalm 119 says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Perhaps we've mentioned this before, God wants you to own your faith a little bit more, to pick up this book, and we say this often, because there's life in this book. We challenged you folks, dear folks, about a month and a half ago to read the Bible just 15 minutes a day. Perhaps you're doing that. Maybe God wants to talk to you for half an hour, an hour. And I believe God is challenging Messiah at this time to really take a step forward in faith. We, we say we're a church of prayer, and we are. But God's calling us as a faith family and even as a country to be more in faith, asking God's direction. God really wants us to take ownership of our faith, to receive the grace, to put that thing aside, to follow Jesus. And the last thing we need to realize, you all, we all, we gather here because we can't do this thing alone, can we? Somebody may speak truth to you, Somebody might speak a word of love to you. But you can't do this journey with Jesus alone. Being a follower of Jesus Christ isn't easy, is it? No. Sometimes there's persecution. It talks a lot about the Bible. But God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to suffer and die, to rise again. And he says, follow me today. You ready? You ready to put that thing aside? That sin, that thing, that relationship that's wrong? whatever it is, and you're ready to grow, ready to grow in this word, ready to pray, 
ready to worship, perhaps ready to serve, either at the church or in the community. Perhaps God might be asking some dear student this summer, you know what? (laughs) You thought you were taking a family vacation? You're not. You need to stick around and help your next-door neighbor and take care of the lawn all summer. Your friends, God has given us an amazing faith family. You guys are an amazing faith family. Isn't that right? I think it is. I love being here. And we're here to guide one another, to speak truth sometimes, right? To get each other on the right path, to even take a bigger step with Jesus Christ. I'm challenging you to do that today. Be there for one another, won't you? And all God's people who are ready to grow, say amen. Oh 